Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It's the same offense, but like most teams who have injuries, you know, it, it, it won't be the same. You know, and obviously the quarterback's still playing at a high level. Cup's still one of the best in the league. The backs are all good, but the old line's been beat up, you know, and it's obvious on tape. If you can't block anybody, you sure can't run and throw it, and that's been their problem. Um, they'll get some guys back this week, you know, so it should be better for them. Hopefully not, you know, but... Um, you know, when you're not playing with your best guys, that's what it looks like. It's, it's the NFL, you know, and your best players help you obviously win games. And when you're playing with young guys and backups, it won't be as good. That's just, that's really simple. You know, that's where they are. That's Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, talking about the Rams offense, but he could be talking about the Cardinals offense. That's what's fascinating about this matchup. Uh, as we uh, climb into the second half of today's Football Friday show, Tim Ring sitting in for Bick today. Bick's got the day off. He'll be back on Monday. Um, well, Matthew Stafford's not playing at a high level, with all due respect he, to Vance. He has not. He is not. He's still a good quarterback, but, yes. but well, when you talk about statistically and moving the football and moving the chains and putting the ball in the end zone, he by no means is playing at a high level. Nowhere that's close to where he was. Yeah, that's an offense that's that, that offense is broke. It, you, you mentioned it, Vinny, and you're dead right. The, the similarities of the two teams right now are are, are, are remarkable. Really, the the, the the problems on the offensive line, uh, the problems with with scoring points, the problem with sustaining drives, the problems with prote- uh, protecting the quarterback, the problems with running the football. Both teams mirror each other in that regard. You know, the difference is the Rams do have a Super Bowl trophy, <laughs> you know, on the mantle. So, you know, the organizations are in a little different spots, but the Rams, they're, they have fallen off a cliff, too, uh, this year, yeah, so I'm, to speak. I'm always fascinated, too, by the idea of get-right games. Um, we've talked a little bit about what we thought was a get-right game for the Cardinals offensively against Seattle the first time around, going up to Seattle. At that point, the Seahawks' defense had not found its footing. They were giving up huge numbers in points and yardage. And breaking down that game, you're like, wow, you got to feel great about the Cardinals' offense getting untracked. The opposite was true. It was the defense of Seattle that got untracked. Uh, the Cardinals are still floundering offensively. You know, for me, and we had Jordan Rodriguez on from The Athletic, and she does a great job covering the Rams. Um, and I asked her the question. I mean, for, for a desperate team that's trying to stay head above water in this NFC West race as the Super Bowl champions, you got to think either individually or behind closed doors, the Rams are looking at this week like, man, if there was ever a time we needed a game against the Arizona Cardinals, a team that we have owned over the last five years, it's this week, and it's here. But there's danger in that thinking, as I just illustrated with the Cardinals thinking that they had that with Seattle. Yeah, it's a week-to-week proposition. Any given Sunday, all that stuff rings true, and it rings true for a reason. But yeah, Vinny, I mean, if you're sitting on sports radio in L.A. this week, and you're the you're the you're the Dan Bickley and Vince Morata of morning talk in Los Angeles. What do you think those guys are saying? They're saying, "Oh well, thank goodness the Cardinals are coming to town. If we can't win this game, we've got major problems. Uh, this is a game where we have to get right. We can get ourselves to four and five. If the Forty ers lose to the Chargers on Sunday night, which is possible, we'll have the same record 
Although that would be considered a big game for the Chargers, right? So they'll probably lose it. 49ers, 49ers are a seven-point favorite that was in that for game. G- that was for Jarrett. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. Jarrett is the president Herbert. of the Justin Herbert hate fan club. Just oh, overrated. Overrated, not hate. <laughs> it is amazing, though, the parallels between the Rams and the Cardinals. Like I, I'm thinking what you were saying about like what the media there is talking about. They're probably thinking, like, man, no team's offense has been more underperforming than us. No one has had more problems with injuries than us. Boy, the internal strife we're having between right. the players and the team. It's like all the same storylines that we're doing. The only difference is the Rams have the track record in the history yes. of bouncing back. Because even last year, they were sort of up and down until they you know, came alive at the right time yeah. when they needed to. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong, Jarrett, but it's not the only difference. I think when you talk about, if you want to compare the, the conversations going on in the two cities right now, Nobody in L.A. is is questioning the job security of Sean McVay. And nobody in L.A. is questioning the job security of Les Snead. And that's what I mean about the track record. Yes. Is they do have the track record behind yes. them so that this season feels like an outlier and something they can bounce back from. Yes. Where it feels like more of the same if you're in Arizona. If you're in L.A., it's a bad year. Yeah. We're having a bad year. But our coach and our remember, GM, remember last February? Right. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But in Arizona, it's... Well, we're having a bad year, but do we have the right guys in place to steward the ship? Mm-hmm. There's no question. By the way, do they even have sports radio in L.A.? There might not even be. Oh, sure. Do but they, I remember. Uh, at a, I'm kidding. <laughs> they got to talk about the but Lakers I'm ki- somewhere. I'm kidding. Right? Yes, of course they do. But <laughs> Do they have sports radio that they talk about football? I don't know about that. But are Rams fans as bothered by everything as well, they're, they're talking, talking about the Dodgers? Are. They're talking about getting Aaron Judge and, uh, and yes. Justin Verlander to come to the Dodgers. Do you remember the last year there was a time, and I think maybe it was around this time last year, that we were saying, like, well, Matthew Stafford's going to Matthew Stafford. He's on this streak of throwing pick sixes every game. Can the Rams really win if he's their quarterback? And then they sort of came around. So the struggles this year, maybe in their minds, they're like, we could ride out this storm, whereas in Arizona, we don't know about that. As Tom Brady has always said, the NFL season starts after Thanksgiving. And we saw that with the Rams last year. That's why I also think something like that's going to happen again, but it might be the team... Up PCH Highway 1 in Santa Clara might be the team that hits the Jets I've, in these last I've been thinking that eight, nine weeks. the entire season that San Francisco was the best team. And every time you think you're convinced about San Francisco, either they get an injury or they suffer just kind of a, a weird loss where they, they can't score. They've got like a dozen guys coming back now, <laughs> Vinny, and McCaffrey's getting more acclimated. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be, you're going to, that's the key. You're going to inject Debo back into that offensive attack. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan is pretty bright. Guy, pretty good offensive coach. I think he's going to find a way to use McCaffrey and Samuel effectively in both the rushing and the passing game. They got a they got a question mark at quarterback, but at last check, the, the guys won some big games. He's been serviceable enough to get that team to some big games and win some big playoff games along the way on the road too. Look, I thought this was going to be survival of the fittest. Um, it's going to be survival of the most mediocre, I think, in this division. I don't think San Francisco is nearly as good as we thought they were. I still think they're the best team in the division. Um, but I think and, they're going to get – that's where maybe we differ. I think they're going to get better as I the season too. goes along and be the team but that we thought they were going to be in August. We are also, I think, conditioned, even though what we've seen with our own two eyes from the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith – 
I, I'm conditioned to just say they can't keep this up when everything up to this point leads you to believe that they're legit. I, I mean, how convinced are you that the Seahawks can keep this up? Not very, because I think it's been a nice story. I think they, they they have a good shot to make the playoffs. Is that a team that, like, if you guys, who's got a better shot to win the Super Bowl, 49ers or Seahawks? I would agree with you. It's San Francisco. Right. And that's not to disparage the Seahawks. I just don't think, as well as they've played, that that's a legitimate title contender. Yet they're a team with a game and a half lead in the division right now. Can't take that away. No. Can't take that away. Now, San Francisco did win the one game between them by 20 points. When do they play again? December 15th. Thursday night football. That might that actually might be, be a good one. watching on Thursday no, night it, football. It won't. <laughs> well, it seems like it now. Uh, the Seahawks will wear those green highlighter uniforms, yeah. and that'll make it an eyesore. It'll be the season day view of Drew Locke. <laughs> you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the Suns uh, looking for another win tonight on their road trip in Orlando. But we got to ask the question, what's going on recently with DeAndre Ayton? We'll get into that and more Suns talk straight ahead with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Teams in transition. You know, DeAndre, we're asking him to do more offensively. We put him in different spots on the floor. You know, he's at the top of the key shooting threes. He's away from the basket um, more defensively. You know, we switch him and, and use him out on the perimeter. So, I mean, I think it's just, you know, the the, the early part of the season. But I expect him to, to pick it up. I expect him to get back to his, his typical rebounding ways. That is James Jones, the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, yesterday, or actually uh, earlier this week with uh, Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports talking about DeAndre Ayton and his recent play. Excuse me. Something stuck in my throat there. Um, now, <clears throat> take over for a second. Tim, Tim. talk. <laughs> I will take over. I, I didn't know. Now well, I got you know, it. DeAndre Ayton's performance this season. Okay, so let's, 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 let, let, yeah, let's, let, yeah, let's let Vinny get some water. All right. James Jones is right, obviously. He's he's a GM. He should be right. DeAndre Ayton is stepping out. He's taking some more threes. His last five games, let's let's like look at it before we, you know, decide that DeAndre Ayton's not doing this or not doing that. Uh, five games ago against the Pelicans, he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays eight minutes, scores four points. Okay. Comes back. That loss to Portland, which should never have been a loss. He had twenty four and eight. Okay. The Portland game the following night, some foul trouble, and by the time that you know it was okay to put him back in the game, they were they were killing him. So he only played 16 minutes. So in 16 minutes, he had 7.6 rebounds. The Philadelphia game and the Timberwolves game, let's look at that. So 31 minutes and 33 minutes, scored 14 against the Sixers, only 9 against the T-Wolves, didn't rebound double digits in either game at 7 and 6. But you can look at it this way. Against the Sixers, he's going against arguably the best big man in the game. Sure. And against, he's played well against in the past. And he has. And against the Timberwolves going against two really all-star caliber big men. So maybe the 
caliber of competition uh, affected DA negatively statistically for a couple nights. Having said that, DA is paid now where he should be one of the best big men uh, in the NBA. So you'd like him to, no matter who he's going up against, still perform at a high level. But again, like you know, Vinny, like they sometimes they just don't go to DeAndre Ayton to score. No, and and it, it's he's a product of his guards getting him the basketball and being a focal point at times of what they're trying to do offensively. And it's been a lot of Devin Booker lately, which is sure. fine. That's a good thing. Uh, campaign very aggressive uh, the other night shooting the basketball. Obviously, Bridges was as well. I think, listen, four players against the T-Wolves pretty much scored 80% of the Suns' total points in that game. True. I I would worry about it if they were, and I know they lost the Sixer game, but if they were losing consistently and you were getting, you know, 12 and 6 out of Aiton. Yeah, I think we're past that point, but where I look at it and... um, you know, anybody who's listened to the show for any amount of time knows that the, the wars that Bick and I have been through on DeAndre Ayton over the years. And I'm not saying I'm coming over to Bickley's side on the, on the critical side, but I do believe this is year five. He got the contract. Now, we know the offense. Um, DeAndre Ayton is not creating offense for himself. He's not Joel Embiid. He's not Carl Anthony Towns. He's not one of those centers. He needs others to get him involved in the pick and roll game or finding him in his spots. That's going to wane at times. What can't wane at this point in his career is what we've seen the last two games and, and the subject of what James Jones was talking about in that soundbite was the rebounding, the presence. Now, you mentioned the Minnesota game, which the Suns were very impressive. And they won by, uh, they led by 20 points most of the game without a big contribution from DeAndre Ayton. But, you know, Carl Anthony Towns on that team, Rudy Gobert on that team, they both got into early foul trouble. That should have been a playground for DeAndre Ayton. not only, and, and I'm not just talking about scoring again, but well, I'm just talking about imposing his will, challenging, hustling, making things happen on the defensive end. And I, I just didn't see it. There were there were times where you know he's flat footed and volleyballing rebounds around, and 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 that's still. I, I'd be lying if I said that didn't concern me at this point of his career, because can they get to where they want to go? We know this is a good basketball team, but can they win a championship? If you're still going to get the sporadic efforts from DeAndre Ayton, that's that's my biggest question. I'll buy that, and I think the key word is sporadic, because that's what's kind of defined his career, especially yes. when it comes to energy, involvement, and engagement. Mm-hmm. You just don't get the same DA in those categories each and every night. And when you give him a big contract and you're betting on him, you're betting for the maturation process to kick in. At some point, when you go out there and you, you, you deliver you're right. You don't need you don't need 27 points every night, but there are some things you can control, and that is imposing your will, uh, defensive stops, rebounding the basketball, altering shots, yeah. creating havoc in the paint where you are a force at the size that that you are. And we're still seeing those games where some nights are better than others. Yeah, and, and you would hope at this point, now that he's got the contract, now that he's not 19 years old anymore. That we don't have nights like that, and, and we still do. Yeah, when you look at the rebounding numbers, a lot of you, you, people will just tend to look at per game averages. Which at this point in the season, with DeAndre Ayton being limited in a couple of games by injury and by foul trouble, that's not the most reliable way to look at it. You want to look at per thirty six numbers. That's going to tell a story because DeAndre Ayton has been a very consistent rebounder per thirty six minutes. He's been plus, you know, over twelve rebounds per 36 minutes in every year of his career. This year, that's right around 10. 
you know, again, it's early, uh, but you have to eliminate the, the, the sporadic efforts. That, that's my only point on him. It's interesting. His, his career averages scoring and rebounding are 16 and 10, mm-hmm. give or take a few percentage points. He's 14 and 7 give or take a few percentage points this year. Which? So those numbers are are down, but again, it's an 11-game sample. Yes, but going into the season, too, one of the storylines was, okay, the Suns figured this out. They They have to dial Chris Paul back in terms of minutes, usage, reliance on him in the offense. He's not going to score as much, and he hasn't. Who's going to pick up the slack? DeAndre Ayton was, you know, thought of to be one of those guys and I still think he will be again we're, we're 11 games in I'm just talking about what we've seen through these 11 games hasn't in my opinion been the best sample of, of DeAndre Ayton what he can put forth let's, let's talk about his offensive game he obviously can grab a lob pass and, and dunk it okay yeah uh, he can hit the face up jumper yes he can show he's shown he can actually hit the occasional three uh, he can the hit touch the, on the turnaround is he can elite. Hit the, he can hit the turnaround jumper he can hit the turnaround fade does he need more in the toolbox does he does he does he need it really to, to, to get real you know inside baseball here it was the phrase I know it's basketball but there's a phrase inside baseball I mean does he need an up and under you know, does he does he need more spin power to the baseline? Like, does he need more in his offensive arsenal to be the very best player he can be? Because right now it's a lot of lobs mm-hmm. and a lot of face-up jumpers and a lot of turnaround jumpers Which, as he fades away. Uh, so there's not a lot you know, going to the basket. Mm-hmm. You're drop-stepping, like again, drop-stepping on the baseline. Up and under, power moves. Which I think but he has the ability to do that's those what I'm saying. Of course he does. So when you say does he need more, Does do you mean that he needs to do more or he needs to learn more? Because I agree with Vinny. I think he could do all that stuff right now. He just doesn't have the aggressiveness or the consistency. Uh, or the I, I, willingness. Well, I, I, gotta, I, I don't know. I mean, okay, there's there's two ways to answer that question. Does he have the God-given skill set to, to do that kind of those kind of post moves? Of course he does. I also go back, you know, a lot of times he's, you can you can certainly be coached at the NBA level, but, you know, DeAndre Ayton was fast-tracked to the NBA. You know, he didn't have a lot of great coaching. He had one year, Sean Miller. Uh, he bounced around high schools. You know, he probably played some AAU. I mean, there didn't, not, not, a, not a lot of high-level uh-huh. coaching when it comes to, you know, you think back, the the... the the best to ever do it when it comes to footwork and post moves, Kevin McHale, mm-hmm. right? And so he you know, he had no athletic ability, but he knew how to use his body and his feet to score. Like DeAndre Ayton doesn't have that in his toolbox, and I don't know if he's ever been taught that kind of stuff. And and would that would that go a long way into adding to his ability to score consistently? If he just had a little more in his toolbox in terms of offensive repertoire and offensive moves, because he's gotten by on his height and his skill. And hasn't had to really use that. I'm just I'm kind of throwing it out there yeah. because I, I I see very limited scoring moves out of him, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, the and, nature of the game has changed a lot too. We get it. Your centers are pulled out, shooting threes and and outside shots a lot more. You know, the days of dumping it down to Kevin McHale twenty times a game and letting him show off the footwork. Uh, those you don't see that very much. No, but you would like to be able to dump it down to DeAndre Ayton and get yourself a bucket a- when you need one. Absolutely, especially in the fourth quarter. And we've seen it at times, but not consistently. Right. He's got to be that guy in the fourth quarter. Like you can't unless Chris Paul becomes Chris Paul again. Mm-hmm. You know, Devin Booker needs a Robin in the fourth quarter. It'd be nice to be able to dump it into DeAndre Ayton 
He either gets a bucket or gets to the free throw right. line. Yeah. That's, a, that's another key. And not just a 10-foot jumper. Is that a bigger problem? We just spent a long time talking about his offense. Is that the bigger problem, or is his rebounding and block shots that he's not doing a bigger problem? Block shots, are that's an archaic stat, too. Okay. Um, the rebounding, that's a thing. I think it's a thing. Uh, text Devils to 620-620 for your chance to win VIP field and t- uh, field and tailgate passes to CASU take on Oregon State, courtesy of Bar S. That's Devils to 620-620. Speaking of the Devils, they got a game in Pullman tomorrow against the Washington State Cougars. We'll talk to the head coach of the Sun Devils, Sean Aguano, next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring sitting in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Santan Ford Sun Devil Blitz, presented in part by Kilo River Resorts and Casinos, Arizona State's official sports headquarters, and Santan Ford. We are Santan Ford. Yeah, Sun Devils getting ready for what will be a chilly one in Pullman against Washington State. Uh, here to talk about that and other things, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, Sean Aguano, for his weekly visit, joins us here on Arizona Sports. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, last week, tough one against UCLA. Obviously, um, you know you, you, you made the late comeback, fell a little bit short. Uh, and the thing that stands out um, on the stat sheet, and anybody who watched that game, was the the rushing attack for UCLA was devastating. After soaking that all in, what what else was a takeaway for you from from the UCLA game, Coach? You know, defensively, we we need to make sure we shore up on on that run. Uh, um, you know, they took advantage of uh, a light box for us. Um, but uh, I thought our kids played well. Um, we had a chance at the end to make one stop uh, down by six with uh, six minutes left uh, at the game. And we felt that if we had another chance uh, after a stop, we'd be uh, right there to win the football mm-hmm. game. You know, Coach, two and two in your last four. And it's interesting because we, we were talking about Cliff Kingsbury on Hard Knocks the other uh, night, how he presented to his team a three-game stretch and how much good they could do during that three-game stretch. You guys have a three-game stretch to end, a, end the season. Uh, bowl eligibility is still in play. Uh, as a coach, do you remain singularly focused on Washington State, or do you have those conversations about, gentlemen, uh, we have an opportunity in front of us in these final three games to still make a bowl game, uh, to finish strong? Uh, some, some stuff lies ahead of us that if we if we are the best versions of ourselves, we can still accomplish something this year. Do you have those conversations? You know, those conversations, I know it's in the back of their mind. The, the, the kids understand if we win those three games, we'll be bowl eligible. But, um, you know, our focus is on Washington State um, and going up there. They're a uh, stingy defense and, and playing pretty good football right now. And so our job is to make sure that we take care of this uh, game uh, on Saturday and, and then we'll move forward uh, with Oregon State. But, um, you know, those conversations are one still one game at a time and then stacking those wins. Yeah. Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Bickley and Murata mornings. Uh, Washington State forever, it seems, has been a, a team that just throws the ball all over the place, but uh, they're coming off a game where they had 300 yards rushing against Stanford. That's the most they've had on the ground in, in, in 16 years. After what uh, your defense went through last week against UCLA, are, are, you, are you glad as a coach you get that challenge to maybe uh, see how much the emphasis takes, uh, you know, takes hold this week you know, to improve that run defense? 
Absolutely. You know, and uh, Washington State does a great job spreading out the defense and, again, trying to get a light box and then running the football. They did a great job last week. And so, um, you know, our emphasis uh, is stopping the run. Uh, we need to make sure that we sure up and, and do our job on the, with the front seven. And, uh, you know, it will be a challenge again. But, uh, you know, we had we had time to make some corrections this week. You know, Coach, speaking of, of defense now, Stanford Stanford scored 15 in their win. Uh, the defense still in Pac-12 play, giving up over 35 points a game. Uh, as a coaching staff, you know, I'm sure you guys sit in the coaching, coaches' meetings and say, we're, we're giving up too many points, guys. we got to do something about it. So my question, I guess, to you this morning is, what do you do about it? Is it, I mean, is it scheme? Is it personnel? Uh, is it just getting off the field on third down? Like, What goes in uh, to this team in these final three games, keeping the opposition's points down because it's important <laughs> absolutely and, and you know what what has been really hurting us and has been an emphasis for us is 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 the third down conversion rate yeah. uh, we are very very high uh, it seems that uh, we have trouble getting off the field um, and that has been an emphasis with situational football uh, during practice but uh, you know I think a lot of our guys are trying to make uh, things happen instead of just doing their jobs. Um, and then that, that means opening gaps because they want to make their play. And if they, if they understand that they have to do their job, um, and that's all they need to do, um, and we'll be fine. Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going back to and you know, after the Stanford game, and we talked to you about it, you, know, you took over play calling at that point, you made the quarterback change for the last two games, and we've seen an uptick in, in production. How pleased are you with, with the progress that's been made on that side of the ball since, since you made those changes? I, I think I, I'm very pleased. You know, our kids are uh, out there and playing with Temple. They're understanding um, what I'm asking f- uh, for them. Um, Trenton has done a great job uh, being the point guard um, on this offense and, and delivering the ball to our playmakers, and, and that's been the, a huge difference because of his anticipation and moxie as a quarterback. Now, I was going to go to Trenton next, and, and you look at the numbers, and I mentioned the increase in offense. He's completing over 75% of his passes. Uh, like you said, getting the hands in the in the uh, getting the ball in his in the hands of the playmakers. But you know, going back to the summertime, Emory Jones clearly won the quarterback competition. Looking back, I mean, from from what you knew about Trenton Borgay going into the season, has he surprised you a little bit of of how capable he is of running a Pac-12 offense? Uh, no, I, I don't think so because uh, the few years he's been here, you know, even against the, the scout look team on our defense, he's been uh, very productive. And, you know, his preparation, he wants to be a, a college football coach um, uh, after he's done playing, but his preparation and the way he goes about um, studying, um, we weren't surprised at all. Yeah, you know, that was, I was gonna, I'm gonna follow up with that because that was actually gonna be my next question. We're seeing Trenton Borgay now play on Saturdays. But tell us a little bit about this kid behind the scenes. I mean, I can tell you what you just said there. He's, he obviously watches a lot of film, but what kind of, what kind of kid is he, uh, in terms of his drive and his study habits and his, uh, the, the, the emotional leadership he perhaps provides to his teammates? What is Trenton Bourget like off the field coach that maybe goes into making him successful on it? You know, the way he, he uh, presents himself to the team as a leader. Um, he's always doing more than uh, what is asked, especially in the in the not only in the weight room but in the in the film room. Um, and he has the attention of his teammates, and and they have all the confidence in him that uh, he'll get the job done. And he goes about uh, his business in a professional manner, and that's where he leads this offense. 
Hey, Coach, did you go to the Chandler Hamilton game last night? I did not uh, because I used my uh, uh, one game on both of those guys and that's oh. what we have uh, for the season. So I, I, I can't, uh, I couldn't. But um, <laughs> my kids who still go there to uh, to Chandler uh, was giving me some updates. Oh, <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, you just can't go out to a high school football game anymore, Coach. Oh, the damn NCAA. No, I can't. <laughs> Man, oh, All man. those rules and regulations. Uh, Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Sun Devils, our guest. Before we let you go, um, mid-November, Pullman, Washington. I don't think it lands on anybody's place where they want to be at this time of the year. It's going to be a little bit chilly. Um, you know, How do you prepare your team for, for a weather game like that? And outside of the weather uh, being cold, what other challenges do you expect uh, the Cougars to present to you? You know, um, challenges, they're, they're a good football team, a feisty group that plays real good defense, and so that's going to be a challenge. But, uh, you know, the weather, we really haven't talked about it at all. We know it's probably going to be in the, in the 30s. Um, I thought in Colorado we played in the 40s, and so that's not a big difference. Our guys just got to be ready to play. And so that was the weather has never been brought up the whole week. I got you. Well, On Coach, at least, at least it's not at night, okay? I've, yeah. I've, I've seen far too many horror shows with Arizona State and the Cougars up there at night. That's Absolutely. No, that's no fun. <laughs> Coach, as always, thanks for the uh, time and the insight. Best of luck against the uh, Cougars. We'll talk to you next Friday. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank thanks, you, Coach. Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. He joins us every week here to talk uh, ASU football. And, yeah, it, it's weird. We, we, we were talking about the, and you brought it up, the Cardinals going into a three-game stretch. It's very important. Bowl eligibility, I, I know a lot of fans don't necessarily dig on bowl games that much anymore, but... You don't want to be outside of the bowl picture if you're a, a college football program. Even with all of the happenings with ASU this year, that would be a feather in the cap if they can win these three games and, and get to six wins and get a bowl. Are they at the point in, in college football where more teams make bowls than don't? Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. you don't want to be in the outside. No, you don't want to be. I mean, not for nothing. If he wins these last three, I mean, he's going he's gonna to finish five and two in his last seven. Now, easier said than done. Yes. But I don't think any one of these games is, is non-winnable for ASU. I think Saturday is going to be tough. Vinny. It's going to be tough. But Oregon State's I, I a really good team, too. But, but, it's, but yeah, it's not like you're playing USC. Yeah, I, mean, not, I, I get it. You're not I playing get juggernauts. Right. I get uh, it. Thanks again to Sean Aguano for joining us. Smashing Pumpkins, Jane's Addiction. They're coming to Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour, November 18th. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and for your chance to win tickets. Coming up next. How will the Cardinals overcome the loss of Buda Baker this week? We'll get into that and more straight ahead on this Football Friday. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring sitting in for Bick on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Play action, he boots to the right, throws right, caught by Fant to the 15. 20, 25, 30, stays in bounds at the 40, 45, 50, into Cardinal territory. They're trying to strip the ball, and they can't. Oh, my goodness. Oh, everybody had the game plan on defense. But what you did on the big play made no sense. We talk, talk, talked. We talk, talk, talked. About the boot play. About the boot play. Oh, we 
We talked, talked, talked. We talked, talked, talked. About the boot play. About the boot play. The misstep. Upset Vance. I can tell. The HBO. Cameras caught it when he yelled. We talk, talk, talk. We talk, talk, talk. About the boot play. About the boot play. Oh, we talk, talk, talk. We talk, talk, talk. About the boot play. About the boot play. Yeah. We talked about the boot. Get him down. Oh, my God. Who's doing that? Me! <laughs> that was so funny! Is it just me or is Jared's singing actually getting better? Oh, better! That was not better than what? Yeah, I... Well, think about where it started. See, Vinny. one of my thoughts there was like that was more of like stylized talking. Not rapping, well, I mean, but was... not singing. Just kind of disco there. Oh, disco. oh, is that one of the hallmarks of the disco era? Of course. That is KC in the Sunshine Band. That's right. Oh, that was, that was JC in the Sunshine Band. For hey! <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, how about st- stopping the boot? We talked about the boot. <laughs> Vance Joseph talked about that uh, moment yesterday. My son informed me <laughs> that I was being pretty wild and, you know, being being a nut job on game day. But, you know, it's it's an emotional game. You know, I'm not afraid to say I'm emotional on game day. I want to win. You know, that weekly investment is heavy. You know, so when, if they score one point, man, my soul just leaves my body every time they score. So I might embarrass to say I'm emotional on game day. I'm not. I mean, it's, it's who I am. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was one of the more genuine moments there. Especially when the "Oh my God" came out as well. Well, that was such an inf- you know influential play. Cardinals come up with a stop there. That game might end differently. We might be having completely different discussions about the importance of this week's game if that play didn't happen. They scored with three thirty-two left. They had all three timeouts. Remarkably, <laughs> we we have all our timeouts. Mm-hmm. We can actually accomplish something in the final couple minutes of a game. So you just got to get that three and out. And the question. I would love to to ask Vance is you know when they talked about the boot, was it literally right before the defense took the field? Because as a coach, I, I would lose my head. Yeah, they've they, first of all the Seahawks had already beaten the Cardinals, burned the Cardinals on that exact same play yes. several times earlier in the game. So you're Vance Joseph, and you're like, all right, boys, we need to stop. Remember, watch the boot. And they go out there on the very first play and run the boot for 51 yards. That's a great point. I'm hoping that's not what it was because I was thinking it was like leading up to the game. But if it was literally like. That's what I want to know. Like that was my because because that that would really lead up to the game. If they talked. But 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 again, though, they they had been burned on that boot several times earlier in the same game. Guess what? Yeah, so though we talked about the boot, shouldn't have been a surprise at that point. That's a good call. But it would be a surprise if you literally just told them three seconds ago to watch the boot and they go out there and get burned by that play. That that, that That's, that, I, I mean, I would, I don't know, as a coach, that that's real difficult because now you got to question, you know, guys. And now, I mean, 
L.A. likes to run that same play. They'll be susceptible to it again. You don't have your best player, your quarterback in the back end, Buda Baker. Uh, he's out this week. Vance Joseph talked about that. Obviously, Buda's a great player. He's having a great year. So we won't be better without Buda. But you know, that's, that's part of the game. Uh, guys get nicked. We've got some veteran guys that we trust, and Banjo and Chuck Washington. So, you know, we'll move on. Obviously, you know, Buda, you can't replace Buda. I mean, he's having a great year, obviously. So um, it won't be good for us, but we'll move on and play. Yeah, I guess Charles Washington coming back this week is, you know, coming at a fortuitous time for the Cardinals because if you looked at the depth chart from the beginning of the week, it was just Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, and Chris Banjo as your safety. So Washington's going to get a lot of time back there as well. And if not, then 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 Banjo will. I think if, if Washington's activated, which you know indications are that he will be right. And yeah, listen, it wasn't. I mean, Banjo was. I mean, he's been here before, but he was yeah. essentially you know pulled in off the street earlier again. this year too uh, again. So I think we all have a greater appreciation for Buda Baker and what he means to this football team after hard knocks. We knew he was good. We knew he was a Pro Bowler. We knew he was one of the best safeties in the game. Uh, but what he brings to this team emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an eye-opener for me in a good way, uh, hard knocks, especially when Billy Davis, the linebacker coach, is talking to his linebackers saying, why can't you guys be more like Buddha? <laughs> you know, that's... Here's a challenge for you, play harder than that guy. Yeah. So, I, just, I mean, that just speaks to what he means to that defense, I think, even more than what we have seen on television, which is still pretty good. But you see a deeper, you see another level of his meaning mm-hmm. when you watch that episode of Hard Knocks. And now you're going against the Rams team that, you can stop these guys. Everybody else is stopping them. So why can't why can't the Cardinals oh, even without Buddha go out there and stop added, them? Added pressure though. Looking at what they're doing as opposed to looking at what you're doing. I think the Cardinals might have been guilty of that. You know, earlier in the season, going offensively, going up against Seattle. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this too because um, you know you, you you mentioned a stat earlier in the show. The Cardinals have given up more points than anybody in the NFL this year. It's remarkable, 241 points now. That's when, when Vance says, even when we give up a point, I, I, I die inside. Yeah, okay. Yet the thinking... It's a lot of dying, yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of praise, but because the, the expectations were so low, can your expectations be lower than being last in, in points allowed in the, in, in the NFL? Yet there's not a lot of criticism being lobbed toward the defense. Even last week when they had an opportunity to get off the field, the thought was, oh, they were tired. Do you think there's too little... In terms of criticism being being applied to the defense, I think you Vic ha- and I have talked about this. Okay, I, I I think I think what Vance Joseph did earlier in the season, when I think he had what was it four consecutive games, yes. or four games when you held them to twenty or fewer. I mean, they're still one and three in those games, but the defense certainly was, not the defense's fault there. Right, the defense was was outperforming maybe what we perceived as the overall skill or talent level mm-hmm. on that unit. What, what I think we're having now, Vince, is. You know, I used the term the other day, almost a regression to the mean. Like the, this, this defense is now, right. hey, we are who they thought they were, uh-huh. uh, and they they don't they don't have an array of Pro Bowl talent on the defense. They don't have an array of playmakers. Now, ironically, they have made some big plays. I mean, they've got between Banjo's punt return, they have more defensive touchdowns than any team in the NFL. Yeah, two but, more than anybody. But then again, the the opportunity to make plays at critical times in these last few weeks have not been there, and the other team is, you know, they can't get the they couldn't get the Seahawks off the field on third down. No. 
When Zayvon Collins put him up in the game, the Seahawks took the ball three straight touchdown drives, pretty much shoved it right down the Cardinals' throat. Seven straight third-down conversions after that point. And also, don't forget the dropped dinners. And I'm just going to say dropped. I mean, I'm not even going to say like, oh, well, there's they two of them. They, right. And it, it, it's not even, oh, they could have made an interception. It would have been a great play. No, those were flat-out drops. Yes, Murphy and Vallejo. Drops. Yeah. Got to make the play. And Seattle scored touchdowns on the, on next, the very play next play both times. And you know what? And if Vallejo and Murphy were sitting in the studio, they would be like, you're darn right. Yeah, those are drops up. that we have to make. Got to come up with them. I just think that's a, uh, an interesting dynamic of this year's Cardinals team. Uh, you know, th- And the offense is underachieved to a, to a massive level. There's no denying that. But there's still a lot of love and and you know praise being heaped on this defense when after that four game stretch they haven't played particularly well